0: you a common sense and fresh perspective to creating a just society. This is Common Sense on Social Justice. You'll get equipped with the tools you need to carry out social justice right where you are. Now, here's the host of Common Sense on Social Justice, Michael Davis. And thank you so much again for joining us. I am always glad that you are here with us to discover and journey towards a better society, a better world, a just world. But today we're going to add a golden nugget to that, and that is the nugget of charity. Because charity, as we'll see today, uh, balances out justice, and justice balances out charity. And we'll get into that later today, but today we're going to begin looking at charity in truth. That's the English title of Pope Benedict XVI's Uh, the late Pope Benedict XVI's second encyclical. I've noticed that since he was a key player in the Vatican II Council, that Cardinal Ratzinger, as he was known back then, uh, who helped influence change in the liturgy towards using the common vernacular, so in America we use English now instead of uh, strictly Latin, Uh, Although I enjoy the Latin Mass and go to Latin Mass from time to time, but uh, I, um, most of the time, at at an English Mass, which is good and pure, and so I uh, noticed that in his encyclicals as well, that the the, big font in the title is the, for Americans, is the English uh, uh, title of his encyclical, and... Below that, in small font, is the Latin uh, name. Uh, so uh, um, so this one, Charity and Truth, his second cyclical, we'll be studying today. Now, this is, in my opinion, his definitive work on social justice. And man, does he ever hit it out of the ballpark. In this cyclical, he gets straight to the point of what social justice is all about and makes it clear what the lie of current social justice trends really is. Now, the late Pope Benedict XVI really hits home in the introduction, which we're covering today. We're not getting into Chapter 1 today. There's a lot to really glean from the introduction. And he really hits home in this introduction, which uh, we're covering again, that true justice and charity which we will define later must be grounded in truth with a capital T I remember in the movie a few good men which I I like that movie watched it again recently to refresh myself on some things in it but you know you get the courtroom scene where they're battling it out you know and you've the you know the the attorney and uh, the um, colonel on the witness stand um, played by Jack Nicholson, you know, they, and you got Tom Cruise there as the attorney in the military, you know, they're battling it out and and, uh, the colonel played by Jack Nicholson says, you know, uh, something to the effect of what do you want? Uh, And then Tom Cruise responds, why not try the truth? And then the colonel responds with, because you can't handle the truth, you know, and he does it in that, firm, angry, controlled way, because you can't handle the truth. And that's the thing that Pope Benedict Sixteenth is getting at today, is that if you really want true justice and charity, it has to be grounded in truth. And that seems to be a problem in our modern social justice trends. And so let's get to that today. I want to begin today just by reading from the... Uh, uh, first paragraph of the encyclical um, and it says this charity in truth to which Jesus Christ bore witness by his earthly life and especially by his death and resurrection is the principal driving force behind the authentic development of every person and of all humanity and so Jesus didn't just give us principles or give us commands. Jesus lived what he taught. And in his earthly life, Pope Benedict XVI says we can see, and especially in his death and resurrection, that that uh, driving force. What is behind the development of the human person and of humanity in? uh, in general. Then he goes on to say love or caritas is an extraordinary force, which leads people to opt for courageous and generous engagement in the field of justice and peace. So behind true justice is that driving force of love, which we've talked about a lot recently, but we'll get into it a little bit more today to define it a little bit further. But uh, and then he one more sentence here, he says, it is a force that is has its origin in God, who is eternal love and absolute truth. And so we we see this where Pope Benedict 16th is just getting right to the point. God is love. God is truth. And from that springs true justice and peace. So you can't really have it without God who is also called the God of justice in the old Testament of the scriptures that that God is the one we can look to, to even understand what it means to build a just society. Uh, And we see that play a just society played out in the Trinity where Jesus talks about, he gives does what the father asks, the father gives to the son back and forth. Um, Trying to formulate a thought here, and it's right on the tip of my tongue. But what Pope Benedict XVI is trying to get us to see is that we don't want to learn about love, truth, and how it's lived out in justice and, and charity. We don't want to learn it as an abstract principle. As if we go to school, we read a textbook, and it's some abstract theory or thought. Rather, it is a person. Love and truth is a person, and we have to, to observe Jesus Christ's life on this earth. We have to observe his death and resurrection, and we have to deserve, observe the relationship within the Trinity to understand how we're, we're to live this thing out. Uh, And I think the world's rejection of God in our current times is why we lack justice and peace, why there is violence and division and all of these injustices. Now, I'm going to flesh out a thought for a minute, and I'm going to try to do this slowly because I don't want you to get lost because it can be a little complicated. But what I'm doing is I'm processing a thought piece by piece here. To be complete as a human person, you must be in the truth. Now, truth here, and anytime I say truth today, it's capital T because it's in the person of Jesus Christ who said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. To be complete as a person, you must be in the truth. You must be in a relationship with the one who is truth. You cannot be complete without that. I know that by my own experience. I know how empty and restless I've been at times where I've separated myself from Christ. In those moments I join in unity with Christ, I experience peace and wholeness in those times. Now, the truth is a person, Jesus is the truth. Now, let's look at God the Father. To be like God the Father, you must love, because as St. John teaches us, God is love. So Jesus is the truth. The Father is love. Not saying that Jesus isn't love either, but they play those roles with each other. Therefore, love and truth, or charity and truth, go hand in hand. In fact, in 1 Corinthians 13, verse 6, St. Paul says, love rejoices in what? Love rejoices in the truth. And so you cannot separate the two. You can't have... Truth and lies, truth and fantasies, truth and illusions. You only, uh, rather, love and lies, love and fantasies, and love and illusions. Rather, it's love grounded in truth. Now, Matthew, Matthew's gospel, Matthew chapter twenty-two, verses thirty-six through forty. Jesus teaches us that charity is the very heart of the law. And I'm going to interchange the words love and charity today. I'll explain why a little bit later. But charity is the very heart of the law. The law teaches justice. Therefore, how does justice come about? comes from love, which is the heart of the law, which Jesus says the law hangs on these two commands, love God with everything and love your neighbor. Therefore, we must first love God and then we love our fellow humans Without love, you cannot have any type of justice. And let me make that clear, because that has to be made clear, especially in terms of our current society, which believes that justice is determined by whatever the government says is just or whatever the current trends say is just. No, the fact is, without uh, uh, love that comes from God, who is love, you cannot have any type of justice. It's impossible. But... Without truth, love gets twisted into a sentiment. You ever had times where you're watching the news, and as you're watching the news, you feel some sort of sentiment about a plight, but do nothing about it? So, for example, you see, you know, people starving in Africa, and you see pictures of it, and you might even see a commercial that, you know, hey, we're giving food to starving people in Africa, and we want you to. To fund it and they, you know, play that night, sad music, and you know, they tug on your heartstrings. And you may feel something, you may think, Oh man, that's terrible that these people are going through this, but then you do nothing about it. You don't get off your couch and go to Africa and help get them food, or you don't help fund organizations, or you just do nothing. In other words, you had a twisted love. At that moment, that was without truth, because if love in that moment was grounded in truth, you would see those people as your brothers and sisters who are seriously suffering and in love, grounded in truth would say, I need to get off my couch and go do something about that. Uh, so love uh, without truth just becomes a sentiment. Um. Love gives itself to the other. That's the nature of love. Jesus gave himself absolutely and completely to us. Every day, God gives himself to us. That's the nature of love. Love gives itself to the other. Love doesn't feel sentiment. Love is not a feeling. You know, that sort of, Uh, cliche we use, "I, I really feel like I'm falling in love with you, or I'm falling in love with you, or I've got feelings for you. You see, that's not what love is. Love is a conscious choice of the will to give itself to the other. Jesus didn't have feelings for us when he was being brutally tortured to death on the cross. And when he was being scourged with that cat of nine tails, Jesus was not. And when he had spikes driven through his hands and feet, he wasn't in love with us at that moment. OK, he didn't have feelings for us. What Jesus was doing in that moment is he was consciously willing to give himself to us. Love doesn't feel sentiment. It takes Action through sacrifice to alleviate the suffering of the other. So Jesus saw our suffering as, humani- uh, as humanity, and he consciously chose to give himself and sacrifice himself to alleviate our suffering and sin. And that's what love does. It doesn't say, I feel bad for those homeless people uh, living on the streets. No, it says, I am going to give myself to them and alle- help alleviate they're suffering through my sacrifice. Now let's talk about something I've been talking about to define some things. What is the difference between justice and charity? Justice and charity. They balance each other out beautifully, by the way. So let's get used to that. Justice and charity have to work hand in hand. Justice Here's the difference first of all justice meets the demands of equality and fairness if you remember our working definition of justice of a just society is a society in which everyone every citizen is given the opportunity to thrive now a just society is not one where everybody is forced into equality nor are they forced into thriving but everybody is equally given the opportunity to thrive, and to be fully themselves as a human being. So justice meets the demands of equality and fairness. Charity, on the other hand, meets the demands of mercy. So if you have justice and mercy at play, you're meeting the demands of justice in a situation, but you're also meeting the demands of mercy. Pope Benedict XVI says that justice gives to the other, now notice this, I'll repeat it, But he says that justice gives to the other what is his. Charity gives to the other what is mine. I'll say it again. He says that justice gives to the other what is his. Charity gives to the other what is mine. So, in other words, I I don't steal from the other by taking too much for myself. So I am not grabbing, I'm not greedy, I'm not stockpiling so that my brother is without. So in justice, I am acting in such a way that they get what belongs to them. But if I'm acting in charity as God is, then I'm also giving what is mine. If I see them suffering, even though they have what is theirs, I'm going to give of what is mine to help alleviate their suffering saint paul talks about this so there was a problem in saint paul's day where the church in jerusalem was suffering severe um, persecution and to the point where it was causing starvation so the church in jerusalem was starving to death and being severely persecuted now the church in corinth was free they were in a free sector there in the empire and they were rich they had a lot of resources so saint paul was strongly encouraging the Corinthian church in his letter to them to give to the church in Jerusalem. Now check this out. St. Paul said, asked the Corinthian church, give to the um, uh, uh, church in Jerusalem in such a sacrificial way that it hurts you to give to them so that they may be rich so that when they are rich, they can give back to you when you are poor so that there may be equality. That's what St. Paul says. So he gets it. He says, give what is theirs, but that's not enough right now because of persecution. So give what belongs to you as well to them, so that when you're poor, they can give back to you what is theirs, and then there's equality. See, justice and charity at work there. I love the Desert Fathers, and I encourage you to study St. Anthony the Great and the other Desert Fathers. I've studied them extensively. I try to practice a lot of what they do. I'm not a monk, although my spiritual director is a monk, uh, and but I'm not a monk, but I do in my daily life try to practice many of the teachings of the Desert Fathers and uh, live a life of silence of the soul, silence of the mind. And live my life as an observer and a hidden life. But two of the desert fathers one day, they said to each other, let's try to be worldly. Let's try to be like the worldly people. So one of them took a stone and said, this is my stone. The other took the stone from him and said, it is mine. Then the first one said, you are right. It is yours. And they could not forget themselves to act worldly. You see, they got it. It was so ingrained into them that nothing truly belongs to me. It all belongs to God. Therefore, that stone is yours. Even though it originally was mine, it's really yours because we're sharing all things. We live so much in the duality of mine and yours. This is my car. This is my house, my property, my rights. <laughs> Why do we never talk about our rights? Let's take the right to uh, freedom of speech. Why do we always say, I have the right to freedom of speech? Why don't we say we have the right to freedom of speech? But my car, we talk about my kids, my house, my job. We live in this duality of mine and yours. But the fact is, all belongs to God, and we share it. In the common good it is not your car it is not your house and so on and if you think it is when you come to the moment of your death you're going to find out real fast how much it was not yours <laughs> at all rather what you have in your possession at a given moment is on loan from god it is to be used for the common good now for an exa- as an example, and this is kind of radical, but I want you to think about it, if someone if you have a neighbor or friend or a coworker whose cars broke down and they need a ride, freely give them a ride and uh, practice that not being your car that you, I'm not giving you a ride with my car. I have a car on loan from God, and I'll let you uh, use it. Why not try this? You need a ride? I'll pick you up. And when I pick you up, I'm going to get out of the car and get in a passenger seat because I want you to drive the car. See, allowing the other person to drive the car that happens to be tied on your name shows charity. This is not my car. It belongs to us for the common use. And when you pick them up and give them a ride to the store or work, or whatever, don't act like you're doing them a favor. Something else you could do is say, hey, do you want to listen to the radio? If they say, sure, then tell, ask them, you turn on the radio and you pick the station. In other words, you're showing charity that common good use. Now, here's an example, the demands of justice and the demands of, of uh, um, mercy or the demands of charity balancing each other out. Let's say you have a guy who's addicted to drugs and because of his drug use, he's harmed people, robbed people, and you know, so on justice in that situation would demand that he pay the penalty for his actions. And well, he should charity on the other hand would demand that he be healed, forgiven and restored. Now, if you don't have these balancing justice and charity balancing each other out, then you've got a problem because if you only side with justice, which demands that he pay the penalty for his actions and do penance, then the man gets crushed under the weight of that kind of justice. But on the other hand, if we only have charity, then the man never learns from his actions and never learns to love his fellow man. So... See how justice and charity balance each other out? Think of Jesus on the cross as another example. Justice would have, as Jesus hung on the cross, justice would have demanded that the Pharisees be put to death. And justice, God's justice, did unfortunately see to it that the Pharisees received the penalty for their sins. But in charity... Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. (laughs) See, justice and charity and play at the cross. There's a homeless gentleman I was serving one time. And while I was serving him, he stole my car. (laughs) And I looked for days and days for this car, and I finally found it. It was just by accident. I was like, God, could you please help me find my car? This guy wasn't talking. And I happened to be driving past someone's house and I looked back and in their backyard behind a shed, I could see part of my car. So I got out and walked on the property and the owner of the house said, what are you doing on my property? I said, well, my, you, my car's on your property. And it was in a thousand pieces. And he said, well, that guy lied to me. He told me this and that. And I said, well, I can prove to you. And I proved to him that's my car. And I called the insurance company and, you know, of course, got totaled. A few weeks later, I ran into this guy who stole my car in a community center. And he had experienced justice because others on the streets who I was serving found out and they gave him his due penalty that happens on the streets when you do something like that. But I saw him at a community center eating dinner and I purposely sat down and I told the people across from him, can I sit here, please? I sat across from him and he turned as white as a ghost. <laughs> And I looked at him in the eye and I was very silent cuz I he just had that fear I could tell and after a couple minutes of silence I said look and I called him by his name and I said I forgive you can we be friends And he was in absolute shock and so were the people around me I said you heard me I forgive you can we be friends and that transformed him so much that he ended up getting off of drugs, getting clean. He ended up turning his life around. He ended up going to another city. And about a year later, he called me out of the blue and I said, hey, what are you doing? He said, well, I'm living in this other city uh, far away from Portland. And he said, "My God has changed my life so much. And this forgiveness you offered me changed me so much that I'm the head, lead I was a lead mechanic, because that was his skills, at uh, this shop, but now I've become the manager, and I give the poor free car repairs as my penance, and my act of mercy to them. You see, justice was served, but so was charity, and it all worked out beautifully for his transformation. Justice ensures equality in society. Charity ensures goodness in society. Let me say that again that justice ensures equality in society. Charity ensures goodness in society. Now, in paragraph 5 of the introduction to charity and truth, Pope Benedict XVI says that charity is love received and given. Charity is love received and given. Love and action. So that's where our definition of charity comes in, why it's interchangeable with love. So love is a noun, and charity is a verb. It's love and action. And it's interesting that the Pope says that charity is love received and given. So when I receive from you, I'm acting in charity. And when I give to you, I'm acting charity. We often think of charity as just giving, but if there's not a receiver, then the giver can't give. So in reality, when I, you want to give me, let's say I'm down on my luck and I'm trying to figure this out. I am determined to be self-sufficient, figure out how to get out of the situation myself. And you give me a sum of money to help me. If I receive that money with thankfulness from you. I'm acting charitably because I'm giving you the opportunity to give. It works. Charity works both directions. Now, in paragraph seven, the Pope Benedict 16th speaks of building the earthly city of God. Of course, this comes from his influence, being influenced by Saint Augustine. But he speaks of building the earthly city of God and the universal city through the sharing of resources. For the common good. I was as I was reflecting on this, I was thinking in Revelation twenty-one, and I won't read it. But in Revelation chapter twenty-one, verses twenty-two and following, Saint John has this vision of this heavenly city that is just massive in proportion, that's come down and sits on the earth. And in the vision, it says that on a regular basis, kings come into the city and bring their glory, their splendor and all of that into the city to worship God. I was thinking about that vision. I was thinking, yeah, you know, there's a vision of the nations sharing the common good of the earth into this heavenly city. You know, how beautiful that is. I want to read uh, one more uh, uh, section of the introduction before we close up today, uh, which is... is I don't know, when I read Pope Benedict XVI's writings, I'm just in awe, but this one stood out to me as well uh, when I read it, and I'm scrolling down to it, so give me a moment here. So he says that love and truth, caritas and veritate, is a great challenge for the church in a world that is becoming progressively and pervasively globalized. Let's talk about that for a moment. He talks about how our world's becoming globalized, and we've talked about this in the past, is how in the world do we build a just society in a world that's basically just globalized, like no borders between nations anymore? How do you do that in a global economy, a global, you know, uh, politics, all of this? How do you live this out? And he says that's the challenge for the church to figure that out. Now we could look to the church as the example because the word catholic means universal. And so because the church is universal and as nations become universal, the church should be the setting the example of how to run a universal mechanism while maintaining justice and charity within that society. So as the church, I if you are part of the church, the catholic church, I encourage you get busy. <laughs> figuring out how to be the shining, the light on a hill, the city on a hill that cannot be hidden, that shining light that the world can look to and the nations can look to and say, that's how you get it right on the universal scale. In our modern social justice movement, we have hatred uh, in lies, hatred in lies rather than charity and truth. What I mean is that there's violence and yelling and labeling and there are lies perpetuated about a certain issue in order to advance a personal agenda. In order to truly build a just society, we must show charity towards one another that is grounded in truth, not grounded in lies. Uh, critical race theory is a prime example In critical race theory. It perpetuates hatred and anger while lying about what is really going on. Love wants to know what the facts are. We must for the sake of the world, for the sake of people get a return to a life of love, a life grounded in love, which is grounded in fact or truth. We must see the truth, capital T and realize that justice is only possible through Jesus Christ, who is the truth, and through God the Father, who is love. May we live out charity and truth right where we are. You've been listening to Common Sense on Social Justice with your host, Michael Davis. A common sense and fresh perspective to creating justice where you are. Share your comments and questions with Michael by emailing sjcommonsense at gmail.com. That's sjcommonsense at gmail.com. If you enjoyed this podcast, please consider sharing it with a friend. You can support this vital mission of evangelization through materdayradio.com or the Hail Mary media app.